Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, Movie Monday edition of the program, and you know what that means. It means we have another fantastic movie to talk to you about today, to share with you. And this one, it's a little left of center from what we typically do here on the Bottom Line Show. There's a new movie that's not necessarily a documentary per se, but it was inspired by the letters and the journal entries of a very iconic person, a woman in the world who is known simply as Mother Teresa. And a filmmaker uh, has gotten a hold of some of the letters, did a script treatment of it, and uh, turned it into a really beautiful movie called Mother Teresa and Me. Jacqueline Fritchie Cornaz is going to join me at the bottom of the hour. She is the one, she and her husband were the driving forces to make this movie a reality. She plays Mother Teresa in the film. And it's just a wonderful pro-life message. It's, of course, about the sanctity of human life. And what we talk about here on the Bottom Line Show a lot is the sanctity of human life is, I, I like to say it's pro, well, let's see, uh, from, from conception to graduation, you know, birth to earth. <laughs> there are lots of different ways that people describe it. And it's important for us to understand that human life has dignity, and especially when you look at the fact that Mother Teresa did her work in the streets of Calcutta and how the Indian system there in India, uh, the caste system does not allow for people to move freely among the castes and does not really provide an opportunity for people of some backgrounds to even be seen as human. And the fact that uh, Teresa felt such a strong uh, calling to petition the Pope to try to get the resources necessary to set up the, it wasn't necessarily an orphanage per se, though there were a lot of uh, orphans that went through there, but it literally began with a ministry for people who were dying and had been cast off. And when you juxtapose that versus, uh, we have a, a, a main character who's kind of the parallel story, she's us, um, Kavita, who is a, a musician, kind of a millennial Gen Z type, free spirit, uh, who winds up with an unplanned pregnancy and then has to go on the arduous task of trying to figure out, you know, about her family, about, uh, you know, her background and what is the real meaning of life. It's just, it's a, it's a fascinating uh, pro-life statement, I believe, that centers on the goodness of God, his mercy and how we show it to other people. Mother Teresa and Me will be in theaters on Thursday, October 5th. It's a one-night-only event from Fathom Events. Uh, Jacqueline, uh, Fritchie, Jacqueline Fritchie Cornaz will be joining me coming up at the bottom of the hour to talk about the movie, but we have a couple of pairs of tickets to give away to it today, and so we'll let you in on the uh, festivities early here on the Bottom Line Show. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Of course, every time we talk about the sanctity of human life, I would be remiss if we didn't mention our friends at Preborn and the remarkable work that they do and continue to do uh, to promote the sanctity of human life uh, as it starts in the womb at conception and the work that they do with ultrasound technology, making ultrasounds available to women who have experienced pregnancy and uh, are wondering what their options are. And it's incredible to see how the culture has changed so dramatically from 50 years ago, the legalization of abortion and, and the timetable on that. Really, uh, in, it's New York in 1970, uh, 
coming up with one of the first laws legalizing abortion. And then, of course, that becomes Roe versus Wade decision from the Supreme Court on January 22nd, 1973. The 1.3 million children who were killed in the United States because of the New York law prior to Roe. And then we know at least 65 million that we're told about um, have moved in the direction of, uh, you know, the death because of Planned Parenthood and other organizations that perform abortions. Planned Parenthood is the kind of the figurehead, but they perform 40% of the abortions um, uh, in, in the United States. The other abortion clinics take care of them, or now more and more abortions are taking place as a result of what they call medical abortions, which is just insidious. When, when Planned Parenthood uh, was last week in Mexico announced, the Mexican Supreme Court announced that they thought it was unconstitutional for any sort of law to ban abortion access. And uh, Planned Parenthood uh, for America, the, the, their legal arm, tweeted out, well, I tweeted out, that's on X. I don't know what you call it now on X, but <laughs> it's, it's still Twitter. They tweeted out, abortion is health care. Uh, really? Okay, I've got a headache. Anyone got a loaded nine millimeter? You know, what I mean, that it's, it doesn't make any sense. But it's amazing how the argument on the left has moved from they know that surgical abortions are cruel and barbaric and harmful to kids. They know this. So then they move to what they called chemical abortions, which is the saline solution or then eventually the pills. Now they have the audacity to refer to them as medical abortions. And it's amazing how many people say medical abortions involve abortion care. Take these two pills and you'll be fine. Not realizing that mifepristone, the first one, literally starves the child, cuts off the flow of progesterone into the womb. So the preborn baby that's in there getting progesterone and nourishment from mom now has that all cut off. You basically starve your child to death. Then the second pill you take helps to tell the body that's in protection mode saying there's a baby in here under construction. You know, we're, we're fighting to make sure a kid stays in there until it's time to come out. You have to knock on the door and say, hey, birth canal, open up because uh, the kid's not here anymore. Basically, we got to dispose of the body. I mean, I don't sound, mean to sound crude, but that's what they're doing. And the idea that half of America is, oh, medical abortion, abortion care. Oh, that's it's just cruel and barbaric. It's just not right. So that's why I encourage, obviously, your support of Preborn. Grateful to everybody who's making $28 monthly donations to Preborn. Every, it's $28 per ultrasound appointment. And 85% of the time, that saves a child's life. Nearly 10,000 women came to faith in Christ at Preborn because of the witness they received and hearing the, of the good news of the gospel. Women haven't been told that adoption is an option. They haven't been told that the, the maker of heaven and earth does offer forgiveness if you have had an abortion, but... He also makes a way for you when you choose not to abort a child. So it's a win-win for us. God in his mercy hears our prayer. Uh, $28 donation one time if you want to do it or maybe do a $140 donation for five ultrasound appointments or $280 donation for 10, $2,800 for 100, you get the idea. We currently have a campaign going right now. I, I'm, I'm hoping to get uh, 740 appointments sponsored by Bottom Line Show listeners between now and the end of the month. That means we'd have to raise about $20,000 to do it, but I'm sure we can. And I would love to hear from anyone who would like to put up a matching gift as well. Uh, 833-850-BABY is the number to call, 833-850-2229. Or go online to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com. Look for the preborn banner there. Click it and make your best tax-deductible donation today. The idea that America has gone into the um, 
has gone sideways with regard to uh, medicine. We're either over-prescribing medications that are supposed to help but really only treat symptoms, or we're calling something that's barbaric as abortion a quote-unquote medical abortion by giving you two pills, you know, one on respective days, uh, to basically get you to go into miscarriage. It's just, it's insidious. And yet, the media has a love-hate relationship with medication. Um, anybody who takes medication on a regular basis knows that um, uh, y- you have to temper it and you need to be careful with it. I have been taking uh, three different medications, combination of three different medications for the past five and a half years for my heart surgery. And I know people who have made dietary changes, you know, rest and exercise and lifestyle changes and no longer take medication and they're fine with it. I've talked to several different cardiologists who when I told them what I had in terms of not only having the uh, bicuspid aortic valve that was in stenosis, so it had to be replaced, and then also the ascending aortic aneurysm that required a Dacron 10 millimeter sleeve that now replaces my ascending aorta. So if you look at the aorta going down the descending part, which is what they call the widow maker, when that gets clogged, it's usually the end of the line. The... um, the ascending one is after the blood's been purified, the oxygen's been removed, the oxygenated blood shoots back up through the aortic valve. And they had to take the valve and replace it with a bovine made from a cow uh, or pig parts. And then this Dacron piece that is still working just fine. Though every now and again, chest gets a little sore and I have to kind of take a step back. But I've talked to several cardiologists who, when I tell them what I'm taking, have said, yeah, you're kind of stuck with that. Okay, I've made peace with it. I have one doctor who... Uh, was rather aggressive, said, your blood pressure seems too high. I want to prescribe more medication for you. And he did. And I became lethargic. Literally would take the medication in the evening. Lisa and I'd be having dinner and I would fall asleep during conversation. It was slowing down my blood pressure too much. And so I'm happy to say that five and a half years later, I am on the same medication dosages that I was when I first had surgery. So I mean, I'm, I'm happy that I haven't had to increase it. But I pay very close attention to drug interactions, uh, things you can't take. Like, for example, if I have a pain issue for whatever reason, I take acetaminophen instead of ibuprofen because ibuprofen relaxes the uh, venal structure in your body and makes the blood flow a lot more quickly. And um, since I'm taking a blood thinner right now to keep the blood moving anyway, we don't want to make it even more, it kind of turn me into a hemophiliac potentially. So that's not a good combination at all. But I also take uh, sinus medication on occasion because I talk for a living and I need to keep my sinuses clear. And so I was very, very interested in a report from the New York Times that said the FDA found out that nasal decongestants don't work. If you're taking Sudafed or Mucinex or Benadryl or whatever, they don't really work. 22-year study and this stuff doesn't work. And I'm thinking to myself, now, wait a minute. I've taken this stuff before and it works just fine for me. Don't take it every day, but when I need it, clears things up. So what does this mean? It doesn't work. And how many people are now going to file frivolous lawsuits or stop taking medication that's actually helping them because they didn't read a little deeper? We're going to do a little analysis, balance, and clarity here on the Bottom Line Show in just a moment and take a look at what does this FDA panel's report actually mean and why it's important for us not just to rip and read headlines anymore and then go running off and telling all of our friends, I can't believe they lied to us and blah, blah, blah. Let's get into this coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. 
The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. With Jacqueline Fritzi Cornaz, who's the star of the brand new movie called Mother Teresa and Me. It's a fascinating story that's done, uh, done in such a way that you get a chance to see Mother Teresa. You've, you've heard the, uh, the stories about her letters and journals that were found after her death uh, that uh, indicated that she wrestled and had serious periods of doubt of her faith and yet soldiered on. And uh, that's woven into the fabric of this story and the work that she did in Calcutta and uh, also then the sanctity of human life story told from a more holistic perspective because of the work that she did with the dead and the dying. And uh, oftentimes when we hear pro-life stories and sanctity of human life, we think of, well, that means a woman had an unplanned pregnancy and she doesn't know what to do with her baby. Well, that aspect of the story is in there too, obviously not for Teresa, but through a young every woman whose character is called Kavita in the story. And it's just very, it's compelling, it's captivating. Two thumbs way up from the Marsh household. The movie will be in theaters on Thursday, October 5th, and we've got a couple of pair of tickets we'll be giving away um, at the end of our segment with uh, Jacqueline coming up in about 15 minutes or so. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. And since you're listening to the first segments, uh, first half hour of the program, you get first place in line if you want to call in and get your name in for the drawing. Crystal will be more than happy to take your call. The report a couple weeks ago from the Food and Drug Administration that your favorite decongestants don't decongest, that they don't actually work, was very interesting because a lot of people you looked at this and said, well, this is nuts. What do you mean? I mean, I've taken, take your pick, uh, Sudafed, Bucinex, uh, Claritin, Benadryl, whatever, and taken them for years and they work just fine for me. What do you mean these don't work? Well, here's why it's so important for us to read behind the headlines. This is one from morningbrew.com that says, FDA finds that some nasal decongestants aren't decongesting. It turns out that some versions of your tried and true Sudafed don't actually work. Now, that's a big difference from what you saw in the mainstream with the New York Times or whatever. Breaking news, FDA reports that uh, Sudafed doesn't work. And you've been taking this all along and it didn't work out for you. Well, how could this be? How could the FDA let this happen? I mean, well, then you begin to read in the article and what you find out is that some oral versions of Sudafed, Benadryl, Mucinex, et cetera, don't actually work. The reason is the main ingredient that's in there. And if you read the labels, and I'm a label reader, <laughs> I have to, uh, but I've always been kind of naturally curious about that kind of stuff. If you read the labels, you'd realize that if you get certain kinds of decongestants, they don't have the same ingredients. 
when I first started in my broadcast career, and I had an issue with some sinus headaches sometimes that were just massive. My dad also suffered from them. He had an ear, nose, and throat specialist, and I used to go visit Dr. Dunn uh, whenever I'd have a flare-up and I needed to be able to work quickly. And he would give me a, a shot of a, of a steroid, a Celestone, I think it was called, and then he'd also give me a prescription for what we now know as Claritin D. And that prescription was stronger than what you get at the pharmacy, but man, I mean, if I had a voiceover session on a Tuesday morning and it was Monday afternoon and I couldn't talk within an hour, I mean, that stuff just worked and cleared up my sinuses. It was incredible. And I, I love that stuff. So when Claritin D became available over the counter, I was thrilled because that was a good enough dosage. It was kind of the best of both worlds. It wasn't the massive dose I used to get from my ear, nose, and throat guy, but it was enough to get things going. Well, then there was concern about it making your heart raise, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and people had to you know, use a certain measure of caution. But then came the meth phenomenon. Remember this? It turns out an ingredient in the uh, medication, sufridine, uh, or, or sufedrin, however you pronounce it, was being used by kids and, in some cases, moms. They call them the meth moms. They really did. Um, it's being used to make methamphetamine. And so, in an effort to hopefully kind of stem that tide, what wound up happening is they wound up pulling that version from over-the-counter and instead offering a different substitution. You could actually get the, the one if you followed the, uh, uh, the, the guidelines for not having a certain amount of uh, uh, that in your system. You could only get a certain amount per week or whatever it was or per month or however they, they worked it out. So that's how they worked it out was they came up with an over-the-counter version of the same medication and instead, they replaced the over-the-counter version with a, a, not a placebo, but basically something that had also worked called fenlafrin. And fenlafrin was deemed to be non-addictive. You couldn't make it into something worse. And it was okay because they had shown that people who took that would actually get some kind of relief. For the next 22 years, the Food and Drug Administration started checking out, you know, the effectiveness of this, and they did what any good scientific organization would do. They gave a control group of several thousand people that pill for a certain period of time, and then they gave another control group a placebo uh, that didn't have that in there. And they found there was really no difference in the overall effectiveness of that medication compared to the placebo. They were essentially the same. So <laughs> it's amazing how many people were buying this, you know, brand of the over-the-counter medication and it didn't seem to work as well. I could have told you that. There have been times when I've tried the one because I couldn't get the other for whatever reason. They were out of it or whatever. You know, it's an extra step to go and you have to present identification, let people know you're not making stuff at home weird with it. You really are taking the medication for the purpose. It's there. But think about this. How big is this market, you ask? Well, now the FDA is asking whether or not they should ban fenfladine from the market. That would generate... $2 billion less in sales. So 
Here's the problem. 2021, medicines with fenlafrine generated nearly $2 billion in sales, according to the FDA, but it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Why weren't we told? I'm glad somebody at least took a look at this. But think about this. All of a sudden, products are going to be taken off the shelves. If the FDA says you need to do it, the companies that make it would have to remanufacture it with some other means of doing so. But I want to talk about why this is important, not just because I have sinus issues and you may be dealing with them too, but to think about what's actually in the medication and how the dosage and the distribution method has to be in place or it ain't going to work. (laughs) We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Stephanie Cover of Cover Law fights for your rights inside and outside the courtroom. As an experienced trial attorney, Stephanie knows that litigating inside a courtroom often costs you more in terms of money, stress, and time. That's why, for the client's sake, she will work hard to settle without the need for a costly trial. Stephanie consistently led her firm in settled cases each month. Because Stephanie worked for insurance companies for decades, she knows how to talk to them. Her knowledge of the insurance process means she's highly qualified and even enjoys talking to insurance adjusters and attorneys on your behalf. Stephanie challenges them with tough questions and holds them accountable for your benefit. When you're in an accident, you want an attorney that will protect your rights and get you the settlement you deserve. Call the attorney who knows the insurance company's processes inside and out and will fight for your total compensation. Call Stephanie Cover at Cover Law today at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or just go to kbrightradio.com slash cover today. Welcome back to this Movie Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Um, it's interesting, the article I was sharing with you from morningbrew.com is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we were talking about the fact that after a 20-year study, the Food and Drug Administration has j- determined that fenlafrine, which is the replacement for sudephrine, which used to be in over-the-counter antihistamines and uh, you know sinus medications for years, 20 years ago, uh, pharmacists and politicians determined too many people were using it to make methamphetamine, and so now it's only available over the uh, behind the counter or with a prescription. Fenflardine, it was fenlafrine, excuse me, was supposed to be the solution to that. But now after a 20-year study, it turns out it doesn't really work. So how did they miss this? And why is this important for our walk with the Lord? Okay, first of all, how did they miss it? Well, apparently, fenlafrine had been used as part of a a drip system had been used in sprays and other ways of uh, distributing this for years very effectively to treat sinus problems. It's only when they put it into an oral uh, swallowing pill, if you will, uh, that people could actually take, just to, you know, put it in a package and take. That's where it lost all its effectiveness. By the time it would get into your system and ostensibly, you know, when you take a medication, if you take something that's like a 24-hour sustained release, it's formulated in such a way that the pill goes into your system and then the medication is distributed throughout your body all throughout the day. The fenlafrine that was in these pills, the Sudafeds and whatever you bought over the counter, uh, wasn't actually doing that. It is an effective medication, but it's more effective if it's in like an IV or something. Someone's in the hospital, they're dealing with pneumonia, and they can use something like this to open up their sinuses. So it is a good alternative. It's just not a good alternative in pill form. That's important to understand. Secondly, 
understanding that people were making methamphetamine out of the what it was replacing, it seemed like the best thing to do is just get it off the counter, you know, the over the counter. And maybe that's not the best way either. Maybe the best way is to limit the amount of the dosage you can actually put into it. I don't know. But here's the third part of this, though, and this is the spiritual component. How many people do you know in your life are using what I would call spiritual supplements to try to heal themselves? They're getting more involved in church activities. They're talking the talk. They're, they're putting bumper stickers on their cars or forwarding things on social media, memes and this, that, and the other thing in hopes of trying to find some level of spiritual healing rather than going straight to the source. God made our bodies perfect. Our bodies are born into an imperfect fallen world. Sin brings disease. So if you're looking for healing, where do you go? Do you go back to the system that basically made you this way in the first place? No, seriously, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honest question. Sometimes the mar- marvels of modern medical technology can help. I'm living proof of that. I have a nine-inch scar in my chest that reminds me each and every day that I am only here by God's grace and the skilled hands of Dr. Aidan Rainey at Hogue Hospital in Newport Beach and his team that froze my heart for 15 to 20 minutes, replaced the uh, aortic valve that was in stenosis. It was falling apart. It was literally shutting down and replaced a 10 millimeter uh, aortic aneurysm that was about to burst that could have caused aortic dissection, which meant I would have bled out and would have had a one in five chance of survival. And here we are. We just celebrated 12 years on the Bottom Line show, five of them with my manufactured heart. So I get it. I don't think that science is all bad. But it's amazing how many times people will look to the world to treat the symptoms and not realizing that the ultimate cure is not in the pill. It's not in the shot. It's not in the IV drip. It's not even in the surgery. Our bodies are temporal for this life. We get new perfect bodies in heaven. Be a good steward with your health. Take care of yourself. Take care of others. Especially as we come to grips with the fact that everything in this world is literally born to die. But the dignity of human life, the sanctity of human life extends into those moments when you manage the way that you end well. So that is good news, and that's the bottom line. That's also the theme of our Movie Monday conversation. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk about the new movie called Mother Teresa and Me. Honored to have Jacqueline Fritchie Cornaz, who plays Mother Teresa in this movie, and she and her husband are the driving forces behind getting it to the big screen. It's in theaters one night only, Thursday, October 5th, and we will have tickets to give away. Mother Teresa joins me next as the bottom line continues. Well, what? Welcome to another Movie Monday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and today we have an international guest joining us all the way from Switzerland to talk about a brand new movie about a very iconic figure in the world of serving and the world of the United Nations and Nobel Peace Prizes and things of that nature. Of course, I'm talking about Mother Teresa. Recently, about 15 years or so ago, there were some letters that were discovered about Mother Teresa and her life that revealed that she was a woman of tremendous faith, tremendous courage and perseverance, but also tremendous doubt. And my guest today here on the program, Jacqueline Fritchie Cornaz, is going to join us to talk about this brand new movie called Mother Teresa and Me, which is a story based on the writings of Mother Teresa that Jacqueline and her husband were able to unearth and uh, weave into a script but also a parallel story about a younger generation coming up and and facing some of the 
cultural norms of the day that uh, are often rather stifling and can hold people back. And uh, Benita Sandu plays Kavita, who uh, is the kind of our our eyes and ears in the film. Uh, it's a tremendous movie. Like I mentioned, one night only, U.S. release date, October 5th in 800 theaters nationwide. And of course, we've got the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're going to have tickets to give away uh, here on the program as well. Uh, Jacqueline Fritchie Cornaz, welcome to the Bottom Line Show today. Tell us about this great new movie, Mother Teresa and Me. Yes, uh, it actually started when I visited Mumbai and some mm -hmm. Bollywood studios because I was interested as an actress in getting to know this totally different film, um, you know, film world, actually. So I took a cab and I... I drove through Mumbai. I was in the middle of this chaotic traffic. And for the first time in my life, I met some street children. Mm. And this was really life changing for me because mm -hmm. um, I watched these children, um, you know, an eight year old girl with her baby brother in her arms. She knocked on the window um, of this uh, taxi and I could just see this lack of perspectives in her eyes. I could see the misery. I could feel what she's, um, you know, fighting day by day. Yeah. Have a life. And um, it made me so sad. And it also made me so angry. And I just knew immediately that I have to do something. But mm -hmm. I didn't know what. Mm -hmm. And I entered the next film studio. And there was this huge painting on Mother Teresa. And spontaneously, I asked this producer, have you ever thought of making a film about Mother Teresa, but the woman, the human being behind the saint who had the strength and the courage to get up every morning to face this misery and to stay with it all through these decades, even in times of troubles and doubts. Mm -hmm. I haven't known about her letters which were published in 2007 at that time which you know um give an idea of what she went through and all these incredible um sufferings um i then learned more during my research mm -hmm. but in this very moment i realized that the vision could be to really make a film to inspire audience around the world to again Think about respect, tolerance, and compassion, because mm -hmm. Mother Teresa called it love in action. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, um, especially today, we remember an incredible tragedy, you know? Yes. And um, I think in times like this, with so many crises, conflicts, and wars, we just have to unite each other again. We have to think of finding or creating this love in action in our hearts. And this producer was very attracted by the idea, but he couldn't find any money. Mm -hmm. So Richard, my husband and myself, we um, established the Zaria Foundation. Zaria means the source, so the film shall be the source to inspire people around the world to have their own visions and stuck with it even in times of troubles and doubts, and the financial source to really um, support poorest children in education and healthcare, um, 
And so the film could be financed, but we had to, you know, raise money over 10 years, over mm. donations and, um, uh, uh, you know, foundation um, money. And we took the time to really make a deep, deep research. Uh, Kamal Musale, a wonderful filmmaker, he's half Italian, half Swiss. He um, and myself, we were talking to a lot of people who have known Mother Teresa personally. We really read these letters and these letters um, are so touching and they give us so much um, insight into her loneliness during all these years and her strength, you know, to stay with this vocation and to stay with the poorest of the poor and just to continue to do her work, love in action. And um, it was so inspiring. And we believe that we have created this film um, to also inspire and motivate people around the world to see that even a saint had her troubles and doubts and that yes. it makes sense to, um, you know, believe in our visions, in our vocations, in our um, strong ideas to, to try to make our living um, worth and to reflect on our values and to, um, you know, to, to make each other strong again. Because I think, um, you know, everything is so divided today and so many people's are in doubts and in troubles, uh, it's really important that um, we create films like that to yes. inspire and to motivate people to leave the, the, um, the films with, with so much um, courage and, and light. And um, I'm so happy uh, that Kamal Musale also created this parallel story beside Mother Teresa's story about a young Indian woman growing up in London with her own conflicts and doubts. And through, you know, um, her own reflection and through the work with the missionaries of charity at the dying hospice, the Nirmal Ride in, in Calcutta, um, she then finds out that it's worth to, to be here for others and to serve yes, others. Yes to create your own happiness. Talking with Jacqueline Fritchie Cornaz today here on The Bottom Line. She's the uh, driving force behind the brand new movie, Mother Teresa and Me. She plays Mother Teresa. And the movie is in theaters one night only. It's a Fathom Events event Thursday, October 5th. And we've got a link for the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. More to come in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Talking with Jacqueline Fritchie Cornaz today here on The Bottom Line. She's the uh, driving force behind the brand new movie, Mother Teresa and Me. She plays Mother Teresa. And the movie is in theaters one night only. It's a Fathom Events event, Thursday, October 5th, and we've got a link for the trailer up at thebottomlineshow.com. Jacqueline, I wanted to get a little deeper into that story of Kavita because she's our eyes and ears. I mean, we, we get a chance to see the real Teresa, you know, based on the research that you did and the painstaking uh, study that you and Kamal did in putting this character together. But then there
there has to be kind of like a, a a parallel passage, if you will, and to find this woman who is really, I mean, you can't find anybody more individualized and living for themselves than a professional violinist who's single, right? I mean, I come from a family of musicians and that's something you play in an orchestra, but it really is a solo piece. And so to see her kind of have to take a step back or two and really do some soul searching, but it doesn't defeat her. I think that's the thing that was really most encouraging to me. And in the same way, Teresa wrestles with her doubts, the, the, she she never loses sight of the goal. I mean, t- talk about the balancing act there and trying to tell those two stories side by side. Yeah, exactly. Um, I start with Mother Teresa as I played it. And um, you, you were talking about this persistence, about this focus. Um, and that was very important to me in the research and in the preparation of the character. Mm-hmm. And I really did a lot of preparation because for us as actors, you know, it's the highest discipline to play um, a well-known personality right, and right. A saint. So I, of course, uh, worked with the sisters in Calcutta at the Shishubhavan, a children's hospice with abandoned and multiple handicapped children. I also visited her family in Skopje, um, former Albania, today's North Macedonia. Okay. And it was very um, touching that I received that silver cross, which I wear at the sari from one of her relatives, because in her mother's family, they were all jewelers. Mm. And I, I really got a lot of information about Mother Teresa's childhood and youth. And I could um, understand her um, background, her roots, her um, inner motivation to really, you know, go to um, to work as a missionary. And um, I then also went to a monastery in the center of Switzerland because I'm a Protestant and it was important to me to find out more and to learn more about the relationship between a nun and Jesus Christ in the suffering at the cross. And... Um, this longing to be so close to Jesus because Mother Teresa lost the relationship totally and and she was so much longing for this, um, you know, being close to Jesus Christ and um, in her loneliness, she couldn't talk to the sisters, of course, because she always had to be a role model. Right. So um, that was very, very enriching for me. And then, of course, I also... Um, talk to um, the director, Kamal Musale, because it was so important to us to make her as human as possible so that people can identify with her in her emotions and that they can follow these emotions and understand. And then also, um, yeah, kind of create an understanding. Mm. And for Kavita, um, that's really Kamal Musale's idea. And I think it's very, very beautiful um, because it's a compelling story which is interwined into yes. Teresa's um, mm-hmm. path. And you can see this young woman in her conflicts. Um, I don't want to tell the whole uh, <laughs> because it wouldn't be interesting to see it anymore, but she really is in conflict and um, you know, her, her parents want to marry her 
want to wed her. So she escapes to Calcutta where she has her nanny. And this nanny is very important in the film because on one hand side, she gives Kavita her love and she takes her to the Nirmal Ridaidi's time hospice where she works for decades. And um, she also has this understanding for Mother Teresa's love for all the people, you know, mm -hmm, one mm -hmm. very important message. She says, um, Christians, Muslims, Hindus, we all need the same thing, love. Mm -hmm. And yes. um, Kavita, for the first time in her life, she really understands that um, only if we give love, we can also receive love. Exactly. And um, when she then works in the Nirmalri day with the dying people, especially with one woman, um, you can kind of follow her in her inner process, in her inner um, reflection. And that is beautiful also for younger generations. I yes, think. yes. Uh, we definitely invite younger generations as well to this film because it's really very, very compelling and very emotional. Yes, Jacqueline Fritchie Cornaz is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. She plays Mother Teresa in the compelling new movie called Mother Teresa and Me, which has a one-night-only release, Fathom Events, Thursday, October 5th. Check your local listings. We've got a link up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we'll have some tickets to give away at the conclusion of our conversation here. I, I love the the concept of, of sacrificial love, Jacqueline, the fact that this is what was the hallmark of Mother Teresa's ministry. It's something that the Kavita character, played by uh, Benita Sandu, does such a great job of walking through that, you know, understanding she was oh, living for oh, mm. just, I mean, the the, the storylines and everyone that goes into her storyline, it's very, very compelling. Like, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to be, do a spoiler alert here, like Jacqueline very uh, succinctly, but uh, vaguely. <laughs> so I talked about her story in terms of, she goes on a soul searching journey. Basically, she has a couple of life altering events that just destroy what she thought her world was going to be. She's got the family history of wanting to you know, have her married into the right family, which is kind of sim similar to what Mother Teresa was bucking up against. And she has to take a stand for what she believes knows is right. But it's only in serving others. It's only in that sacrificial love that she discovers what real love is, is it like. Is it is it I don't I'm not giving away too much of the plot by sharing that, Jacqueline, am I? Um, well, I you know your audiences, so uh... <laughs> Well, it's it's a beautiful it's beautifully told, and I, I appreciate the painstaking research. How many years did it take you and your husband to get this thing made? Well, I honestly worked fourteen years now. Um, wow, years of uh, fundraising to get the budget for the production, and mm -hmm. then three years uh, for you know uh, developing the script together with Kamal Musal and the whole Zaria Foundation team. And uh, we were shooting during the pandemic, which was mm. very, very compelling, mm -hmm. uh, very uh, challenging. Sorry. Um, we had, you know, we just finalized the shootings in Mumbai and then we had to take a break of eight months. Mm. As an actor, you kind of have to keep on going or being in those emotions. To sure, be ready. sure. Mm -hmm. We thought, you know, next week we kind of, we're going to continue the shootings. Mm -hmm. So it has taken us eight, we eight months until we could continue the shootings in London. And then um, finally uh, in the end of 20, uh, yes, 2020, 
we finished um, my shootings in Calcutta. And then in 21, we had to continue with Panita Sandhu, but she was um, against, uh, she had to wait because the pandemic came back. COVID was very strong in India. Mm. So um, yeah, it was a real difficult journey, but it has helped us to get as persistent, as focused as Mother Teresa. Yes, yes, yes. So it really, she wouldn't have it any other way. That's for sure. No. Uh, Jacqueline Fritchie Cornas has been my guest. The movie Mother Teresa and Me in theaters is one night only, October the 5th. That's a Thursday night. It's fathomevents.com is where we've got the link for the trailer. Uh, Jacqueline, what is your hope? you got about uh, 60 seconds left in our conversation. What is your hope for someone who sees this movie, knowing that some people are going to say, oh, I know all about Mother Teresa. They're going to be surprised. But but other people who might like younger people, especially might say, now, who is this Mother Teresa again? What, what, how are you hoping audiences respond? Well, on one hand, I, of course, hope that people can really see her as the human being, the woman behind the saint, and that they can realize what she went through to really stay with her vision and her focus and, and hope that this inspires and motivates a lot of people to create their own visions and uh, that they can stay with, with their visions even in times of troubles and doubts. Mm. Perseverance is key, and sacrificial love is the way to experience the love of Christ most fully. And we see that in the life of Mother Teresa. Jacqueline Fritchie Cornaz, who plays Mother Teresa in the outstanding new movie called Mother Teresa and Me. It's in theaters October the 5th, and the link for the trailers up at the bottomlineshow.com. Jacqueline, it's a pleasure and honor to meet you. Thank you for our first guest ever from Switzerland. Uh, that's it's a, <laughs> oh, I'm so happy. Our and international appeal. In British yeah. film. Yes. So we are so honored that, uh, you know, the United States will take it in 800 cinemas all over good. the country. Good. And, that's a good um, release. We won the first international prize for the best film in Rome at the International Film Festival. Excellent. And it, re it was released in India, in uh, Switzerland and in Latin America already. So again, a new door opens now in the United States, and I'm Excellent. so happy and uh, grateful. Thank well, you so we... much, Roger, for your time and interest. Well, a powerful conversation all the way from Switzerland, and uh, so grateful to have Jacqueline Fritchie Cornaz, the star of the new movie Mother Teresa and Me, with us on Zoom. And you can see the video feeding if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio right now and you want to go back and see our interaction, of course, uh, we'll have it up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have three pair of tickets to see this movie, which is coming to theaters on Thursday, October the 5th. Highly recommend that you check this movie out. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Preborn is saving lives by doing what the left doesn't want you to know about. Progressives don't want you to know that a baby, once conceived in the womb, is a human being. And the proof that we have is four-dimensional ultrasound technology that you can get for free at Preborn. The reason Preborn can offer these ultrasound appointments is because people like you make donations and uh, they're tax deductible and they provide not only the necessary appointments for the expected moms but also making large donations that will provide ultrasound machines for each of these organizations as well 833-850-BABY is the number to call it's really easy to remember 833-850-BABY or if you want to do the numbers it's 833 
800-253-8502229. Your $28 donation right now will save one baby's life. Uh, $140 donation does five, 280 does 10. You can also give a recurring monthly gift like Lisa and I do, maybe $28 a month or $56 a month, $100 a month, whatever you and God decide. Make your best donation today and please know it's completely tax deductible and every dollar you donate to preborn goes to the ultrasounds. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229 or go online to kbrightradio.com and click the preborn banner today. My thanks again to our special guest today here on The Bottom Line, Jacqueline uh, Fritzi Cornaz. Uh, she is the star of the brand new movie, Mother Teresa and Me. And it's in theaters Thursday, October 5th. you got a little time to prepare here. We have three pair of tickets from our friends at Fathom Events to give away for this one night only screening. Make sure you check your fathomevents.com website where you are. Let them find your location. And then they will... Uh, tell you whether or not there's a theater close to you. Um, limited release. It's not in all 4,000 major theaters. So make sure that you know that there's a theater close by. Um, and then give Crystal a call at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. I only share that caveat because there have been times in the past where we've given away tickets and People will take the tickets to whatever their local theater is and then get frustrated when they can't use those tickets at that theater. Well, if the this is a Fathom Events event, it's a, you know, we've got a Thursday night screening. Don't know exactly uh, where it's going to be at, per, uh, relative to where you are. So I just want to make sure that you're able to enjoy it with your family. There's a pair of tickets they were giving away. we got three pair to give away to see Mother Teresa and me, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. The life of Mother Teresa is one of faith and doubt, of highs and lows, of dealing with people in abject poverty. But remember, she had a totally different look at the pro-life community. Obviously, we talk about the sanctity of human life from the standpoint of organizations like Preborn. You know, you call 833-850-BABY, make a $28 donation that provides an ultrasound appointment for a woman who is facing a pregnancy, maybe planned, maybe not, maybe someone uh, like my bonus daughter, Taylor, who uh, when, both times she was pregnant, she was in between jobs and uh, didn't have the health insurance at that point, but wanted to see the child, stopped by a clinic, got a free ultrasound, and it was those were the first images we saw of granddaughter Zipporah and grandson Nazareth. But the thing about Mother Teresa's life is, you know, we obviously respect life in the womb, you know, from conception, but all the way to graduation. And one of the things that we in the body of Christ can do a much better job of is helping those who have entered what I call the stadium lap season of life. You know, if you're running the marathon, the marathon usually starts at a stadium, goes out throughout the villages and the towns, and then comes back in the stadium. That final lap, for some people, it does very short time to get through it other people like i was talking to uh, greg harris colleague through the bible when his mom passed away it took her about four years by the time she went into decline to when she finally entered the lord's presence but when you're in that stadium lap time that's probably as important if not maybe more important in terms of how you're going to end this life and ultimately you know that the clock is ticking and the question is who is jesus christ to you and what will you do with this Jesus of Nazareth? Will you receive the free gift of salvation that he offers you? You can still do it right up until the last moment. That is good news. And that's the bottom line. 
For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon and Rabbi Schneider discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain with, with us on the network, we're going to find out how to experience joy when life is hard. Dr. Josiah Bancroft will join me to talk about the book of Philippians coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, today here on the bottom line for this segment, we're going to get into a passage of scripture that many of us know by heart. My hunch is that the, if you don't know the whole chapter, you've memorized several verses from this book. And at the same time, you may be wondering, well, is it possible for me to li live a joyful, rejoicing life in every circumstances? Uh, how do you find the joy in the middle of, uh, of difficult times in life, especially like what we've been experiencing weather-wise or otherwise? Uh, Josiah Bancroft is with me today here on The Bottom Line, church planter, pastor, and missionary ordained in the Presbyterian Church in America and a graduate of Reformed Theological Seminary. He's the author of a brand new study on the book of Philippians that's from our friends at New Growth Press. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Josiah Bancroft, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you, Roger. It's great to be here. Well, it's good to have you along here, especially because there are a lot of people who will say, okay, Roger, I know, you know, we're supposed to rejoice again in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I've memorized that verse when I was a kid but you don't know what my life has been like over the past 5, 10, 50 years, you know, in terms of the, the pain that goes through. What is it about Philippians and Paul's letter to the church at Philippi that gives us the expectation of joy in the Lord as opposed to focusing on our circumstances and letting those get us down a little bit? Well, one of the things that's helpful about the book is to remember where Paul was. Hmm. Paul is actually writing this from jail, uh, and it's not house arrest. He talks about his guards. So he's in their close quarters in jail. He also, uh, it also helps to remember that from Acts 16, the, the church in Philippi began uh, with an earthquake that released Paul and Silas from jail right. uh, while they were rejoicing in jail. And uh, that was the beginning of the church. Well, here Paul is in jail again and writing back to his, 10 years later, no more, writing back to his friends in Philippi. But there's absolutely no shame or embarrassment that he's in jail again. Instead, what he says is rejoice in the Lord. And that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So that's what drew me to the book. Paul's ability to rejoice even when the jail doesn't open up and he's facing a death sentence. So that caught my attention. And Paul tells us in chapter 3, uh, especially 2 and 3, especially that the way we learn to, to have joy in hard circumstances is by rejoicing in the person and work of Christ, our Lord, rather than focusing only on my suffering difficulties, hard times, bad weather, <laughs> whatever it is yeah. uh, that, that I have to deal with. Um, uh, and so Paul squarely says that our joy is tied to our rejoicing in the person and work of Jesus and not in anything else. It's interesting talking with Josiah Bancroft today here on The Bottom Line about this brand new commentary on uh, Philippians, which is up at thebottomlineshow.com. I realize it's kind of a quirk of the English language, but if you take the uh, the, uh, the, the 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 suffix out of the whole verse, the 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 modifier, I guess, and you go you go from 
rejoicing to rejoy. It's something that we just have to keep doing over and over again, in spite of our circumstances. And and one of the things that I I love that you drew this out, Josiah, in the book, is the fact that oftentimes the here's the lament that you'll hear. Well, wait a minute, I'm doing everything right. You know, I mean, I'm seeking God. I'm proclaiming the good news. I'm living a, a Christian life. I mean, literally my best Christian life now. And it seems like everywhere I go, every step I take, it's drawing more criticism. But that's something as you brought up and said, hey, look, Paul, there's no shame in where Paul is writing this from, and this isn't a house arrest situation. But oftentimes, I think people don't put two and two together that the proclamation of the gospel does kind of invite these attacks on our faith and all the more reason for us to rejoice. Yes, and uh, he says in chapter three, you know, finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It's no problem for me to say it again. And so this is a theme through the book and uh, in spite of his difficulty. And one of the things that chapter three talks about is Paul's requirement uh, following Christ so that he puts off his religious abilities and observance, sets them aside and counts them as loss for receiving righteousness from God through Christ alone. And so he says, I mean, but whatever I had, I counted as loss right. for the sake of Christ. And so that counting my best religious efforts as loss is part of what I have to do to take hold of Christ fully. So it's not just my sin that gets in the way, though that happens. Uh, just ask my wife. You know, <laughs> uh, it's not just my sin that obstructs my grasp of God and hinders, but it's also my righteousness. My yes. best efforts get in the way. And so Paul talks about that, uh, putting those, counting them as laws, then just put them aside. He says, these are negatives. Yeah. Well, and as I'm talking with Josiah Bancroft today here on the bottom line about his brand new commentary in Philippians, I want to delve a little deeper just into that last phrase you used, because this is the kind of thing where, you know, and we talk about it a lot here on the program. We'll have, you know, interviews with attorneys, you know, who are going to court to defend our religious liberties and 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 we cheer every victory. But sometimes we just kind of, you know, shake our hands and uh, we'll wring our hands and shake our heads and ask, Lord, you know, how much is too much and you know, when will enough be enough? And yet one of the themes here in Philippians that I'm seeing, and I, I believe you've drawn out too, is it's not a question of if you endure sufferings, it's when. Right. Talk about that. Well, it is. You know, Jesus says to his disciples, uh, in this world, you will have tribulation. Uh uh, but he also says, I have overcome the world. Now, the way he did that was very different than our society or Paul's society would like to see things overcome. Christ overcame by humbling himself in mm -hmm. chapter 2, taking up, putting himself a form of a man, submitting himself to death on the cross, and then God resurrecting him and giving him a name above every name. Well, that in chapter, that's a different way of winning. That's a different way of moving forward than we think about uh, naturally. And so the method of God to bring us to uh, joy in Christ works through and with our suffering. Uh, 
the tribulations of this life. It, you know, and, and one of the things that's remarkable about Paul is he doesn't write him and say, this doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't write him and say, oh, I'm not really in jail. He doesn't deny the suffering. He's very plain about his hard times. But there's more to life than just what we experience in the body here and now. We have another part of our life where we are citizens, not of Rome, but of heaven. None of the U.S., but of heaven. Chapter 3, verse 20 calls the Philippians citizens of heaven. And that's what I'm learning to be. As I learn to follow Christ, who is uh, the king of all, uh, my heart becomes free. And I can have some joy even in hard times. I'm talking with Josiah Bancroft today here on The Bottom Line, Bible teacher, pastor, church planter, and author of this great new Bible study on Philippians from our friends at New Growth Press. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More to come in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. I'm talking with Josiah Bancroft today here on The Bottom Line, Bible teacher, pastor, church planter, and author of this great new Bible study on Philippians from our friends at New Growth Press. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. You were discussing, uh, you know, the the, the single-minded focus that Paul has, and I'm grateful that you highlight the fact that, you know, we, we look at chapter four so often. You know, I could do all things through him who strengthens me, you know, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Those are good practical advices. You kind of get into the rougher parts of this this passage when you're in chapter three, as you're mentioning. And I know there's one part in particular, I think it's around verse 14, where Paul talks about straining toward the goal, pressing on toward the prize, and literally having that singular focus. I, I, I'd love for you to dive deeper on the word, if you would. Um, that that talk, It's almost as if he's squinting in such a way that he can't see anything else but that that line. Talk about what it means to be aware of your surroundings, but then to keep your goal where it needs to be as a key for the joy of the Lord. Yes, that, that pressing on uh, involves us morally, it involves us relationally, it involves every part of our life. But the target for pressing on is the person and work of Christ. And so I'm pressing on with these things and through these things to know Him. And I love that Paul presents this, and then just before he talks about pressing on, he says, I want to know him mm-hmm. and become like him. And that's what he's pressing to. He's pressing to the image of Christ, to being like him, to being uh, to following him. And as he does that, 
And as he works from that base, then in chapter four, he says, rejoice in the Lord. Those two things are connected. Uh, the pressing on, the putting aside of uh, my own confidence and my own abilities and what I've accomplished for God, so to speak, uh, to take hold of Christ alone and the righteousness, the relationship that God gives is what brings joy. And so entering the gospel in that way, despite the suffering, despite the economy and the weather and the politics and the uh, divisions and uh, the fights in this culture, to be seated uh, and pressing on in Christ uh, can bring me joy, even as those things are uh, ongoing in my life. Hmm. I'm talking with Josiah Bancroft today here on The Bottom Line, pastor, author, church planter. We're discussing his brand new commentary on the book of Philippians, Finding Joy When Life is Hard is the subtitle, and we have a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, pastor, you, in, in writing this book, you get into an issue that I think is of a, a great importance, and I'll kind of uh, preface it this way. When I noticed that your background is in the Presbyterian Church in America, the first thing I thought of was, well, that's different than the Presbyterian Church USA, which is different than the ECO, which is different than, you know, a lot of different denominations that all kind of splinter off, but all profess to preach the gospel. And one of the issues that we're dealing with in the culture right now, quite frankly, if we're just being candid, is division in the church. I mean, I know that my Lutheran tradition is a lot more in line with your Presbyterian tradition than with the PCA, uh, PCUSA, um, because of the way they interpret scripture. But what I'm getting from your study uh, on Philippians is that even though there are some things that divide us, it's of utmost importance that we be unified around the gospel message. Talk about what Paul teaches the church at Philippi that we could be putting into practice even today about gospel unity. Well, when Christ and his gospel, his person, his work, his present reign, when that's first, it moves the division down. And I think what's happened is that people have been sort of uh, tricked, misled, confused about their identity. Their identity is in Christ. Amen. He is the one who, who says who I am. There's a popular song that just runs through my head, the little line, I am who you say I am. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and, that identity is what Paul is pushing toward in this book. And if you look at chapter 4 that you quoted in verses 4 and 5, Rejoice in the Lord, right before that, he takes two fighting uh, workers and says, uh, you need to work this out. You know, <laughs> In chapter 1, he talks about, and 2, he talks about uh, the unity of the church being the light that God brings into the fellowship to the world. And people are so consumed by everything but Christ, they're divided by race, they're divided by politics, they're divided by wealth, they're divided by, you name it. We can divide so easily. But what unifies is the gospel, the work, and the person of Jesus Christ. And so I become a citizen of heaven. They're not divided in heaven. You and I, you may be a Lutheran. Welcome, brother. That's great. <laughs> that's great. Uh, and that's, uh, uh, that's one thing I've enjoyed about uh, the work I was able to do overseas. In many of the places that I go, 
people aren't asking Presbyterian Baptist Lutheran, they're asking, do you know Jesus? Amen. Amen. Just because the pressure is so strong. And my hope is that may be where believers are heading here and now. There's the pressure of politics, of division, of all the things that we fight about presses in. You kind of wake up and say, wait a minute, this isn't the real me. I am, I, I belong to Christ. I am who God says I am, not who they say I am. Yes. And, and there's liberty in that. Uh, it's a beautiful message, and it's it, one that really does kind of burden that a lot of people are carrying uh, with regard to that issue of unity. Pastor and author Josiah Bancroft is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The new book is called Philippians, Finding Joy When Life is Hard. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Pastor, let's, let's talk about that verse that we all quote, that most people know by heart from Philippians chapter 4, and yet we misquote it because it winds up, you know, some athlete has it uh, uh, you know, written across the back of his jersey or whatever, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we miss the part right before it where Paul talks about having been in plenty and been in want. Contentment is a recurring theme in Philippians. Um, why is it that so many of us in our modern culture miss it? And what does it mean? How would you, what's a quick definition of what it means to be truly content? Well, I, I, um, you know, uh, capitalism doesn't work off of me being content. My world works off of me wanting something else. And I think it's a good system, so I'm not throwing rocks at that. But I do need to make sure it doesn't leak into my heart. So my heart is, and my attention is always grasping for more, for right. something better, right. over and over again. And it's all, is suffuses our culture. And so this idea that uh, whether I have a lot, Paul says he can abound, he can have good things, or whether he is suffering poverty and privation, uh, he can still be content at peace in his heart about where he is, yes. because in Christ he can do all things. Amen. Even be content. And that... Um, uh, you know, I've I've had to relearn that lesson in the last year. Mm. Uh, I uh, contracted COVID, mm. and COVID went to long COVID, and I've been really very sick this year. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry to hear. And I, uh, fifteen months ago, eighteen months ago, I traveled internationally fifty to seventy percent of my time. I was always. On the go. Well, yeah. that just stopped. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I had to learn contentment in that loss. Mm -hmm. I'd already written the book. I told somebody, you know, I wrote on Philippians and then life got hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. So I had to relearn what I already uh -huh. knew. But, you know, I've never been this age, I've never been in this place. And so I am learning again and continually learning what it means to trust Jesus here and now, Boy. what it means to be content in him in this circumstance, in mm. this place. And that's that's not, um, that doesn't come from me just saying the verse. It comes from me wrestling with what my heart really wants mm -hmm. and coming to peace in terms of saying, no, 
I put off all of these things. I want Christ. I want to know him. And in that, I can find some contentment. Uh, even when things are, are, even when there's real loss and difficulty in this life. Yeah, well, my, my heart goes out to you for, you know, having that health condition. And at the same time, I'm grateful that you wrote this book, that you're teaching us about contentment and maturity and unity in the body of Christ, because this is a time right now where, as we anticipate the Lord's return, more imminent now than in quite some time, if ever, in our lifetimes, um, it's important for us to learn what it means to be, you know, fruitful, uh, productive, and content, even when basically you wind up with your uh, your hip dislocated, so to speak, in a proverbial sense, and yeah. say, okay, well, my activity is now, you know, focusing on the writing and the speaking and the mentoring. But we're grateful for the work that you've done in this book, Pastor Josiah Bancroft. The book is called Philippians, Finding Joy When Life is Hard. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Pastor Bancroft, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Roger. Well, a, a excellent conversation with Josiah Bancroft today here on The Bottom Line and a couple of resources to give away. Yeah, it's Movie Monday, but we've got two copies of Dr. Bancroft's book, which is uh, uh, available at thebottomlineshow.com. Um, his book is called Philippians, Finding Joy When Life is Hard, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, we've got not one, but two copies of a great study guide from the book of Philippians called Finding Joy When Life is Hard. Uh, this is a collection of lessons, uh, nine of them in all. That would make for a great Bible study, a good study, especially if you're looking at the world around us and asking, why are there so many people who are so angry? Why are there churches that are in consternation right now? This is a good resource to use to help, uh, you know, kind of quiet some of those issues. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, we're going to take a look at one part of Philippians, uh, spe specifically in chapter 3, that helps us to understand why it's so important for us to understand these principles that Paul's writing about to the church at Philippi. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, we have some good news from our friends at Preborn, and that is that we have a match in place that you've got to take advantage of right now. I call it the 15 by the 15th campaign. Uh, an anonymous listener uh, who listens to the Bottom Line Show here in Southern California has put up a match for Preborn. Uh, he, this listener has donated $15,000, which is the cost of one uh, ultrasound machine in a preborn clinic and said, hey, I'll put this up as a match. Let's get other bottom line listeners involved to make donations, large or small. And once we get to another 15,000, then we can give the whole amount to preborn and get two uh, ultrasound machines in preborn clinics here in Southern California. So what do you say? We're a couple hundred dollars in on this match. I know there's a bottom line listener right now who can make a $500 or a $1,000 donation, maybe even a $2,500, knowing that it's A, tax deductible, and B, going to be matched dollar for dollar to get another ultrasound machine in that will save babies' lives. Call 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or you can make a donation online. It's really easy. When you go to kbrightradio.com or you can go to my website rogermarsh.com and click on the preborn banner there let's save lives through preborn fifteen thousand dollars by the 15th of october we can do this 
My thanks again to Josiah Bancroft here on The Bottom Line for joining us today for a great conversation about the book of Philippians, the study guide that he has prepared. It's called Finding Joy When Life is Hard. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com and not one but two copies of this book they were giving away at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. the number to get you through to the bottom line. There are so many great passages in Philippians. It's one of the most quotable of Paul's epistles. Only four chapters, but I think about Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. I think about Philippians chapter 4, verses 4, 5, and 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, with joy and supplication, pray about everything. Make your prayers known to the Lord and always remember to thank him for his answers. And then, of course, the classic verse, Philippians 4.13, I've been in plenty, I've been in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Probably the one that has really gripped my attention right now, though, is Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I'll give you the Roger paraphrase. It's something that we work on striving, pressing on in the faith, and moving toward the ultimate goal, which is not just crossing the finish line, taking the tape and running into our Lord and Savior's arms, hearing, well done, good and faithful servant, but pressing on toward the prize. The word that Paul uses as he he talks about fixing his gaze on the finish line. You could do this very easily. If you've ever tried, this is a lot of fun. Starry night, you're outside, you're looking at all the stars in the solar system and whatever you're doing. And then you pick one star and then just start squinting. Close your eyes, squint, 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 to the point now where you see a light and you know that the light that you are letting into your eyes is only from one source. When you open your eyes back up again, you'll see all the stars and the moon and everything that is a light source in the evening. But if you just focus on that one star, Now imagine what it's like to say, my focus on the Lord is so intense, it is so fixed, it is so focused that all I'm doing is focusing on that one source of light. You know, it's very easy to get caught up in the tyranny of the urgent. Boy, I'll I'll tell you, the the older I get, uh, the more urgent things seem to be, and that tyranny seems to take a lot more out of me. Recovery time is a bit longer. But I do know this, the closer I get with the Lord, everything that's not of him becomes more and more painfully obvious and everything that is of him. When Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Man, is that becoming more clear to me in these final days. And you know, it's interesting because oftentimes when we think about joy and we think about you know how difficult life can be in this life, one of the things that it's important to remember is We are engaged in spiritual warfare. I know here in the States where we have all sorts of conveniences and comforts available to us, we'll say, hey, I want, you know, these modern creature comforts and then mistake that for the peace of Christ. But please know, brothers and sisters, that one way that you know, well, I mean, there are two takeaways here. Takeaway number one is if you are engaged in spiritual warfare, you know you're doing it right if the enemy's attacks are coming at you harder and more frequently. At the same time, though, as you are walking in the valley of the shadow of death, the description there that David uses is the darkness is so dark you literally can't see anything else around you, not even your own hand in front of your own face. But as you walk, you have that yoke is easy, burden is light feeling of the Holy Spirit upon you, and you know that you can conquer anything 
because Jesus conquered everything. I'll tell you, the older I get, the sweeter that sentiment becomes. That is definitely good news, and that's the bottom line.